You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, welcome back to the Fair Game Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 276. On today's show, we got a performer who has entertained fair audiences with his amazing one-man band performance all across the United States and Canada. He joins us today from Ontario, Canada. This is Paul David, but you probably know him as Bandaloni. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Robert. Great to be here. I'm really glad I could get you on the show, man. I, You know, I, I you. know the one-man bands. You know, I know Eric, I know Mark, and I know you. Sure. And it's I think it's really cool that while you all in function do the same thing how different all three of you are what makes bandaloni unique oh that's an interesting point um the the beautiful thing about one man bands no matter where you go in the world everyone has developed a very unique act and that's the um because there's there's really no precedent or video out there of how to make or build a one-man band um there is a coffee book or, or a coffee table book, I should say, by the great one-man band, Dave Harris. It gives you a history of one-man bands. But um, what makes mine, I think, different and separate from someone like Eric and Mark is um, uh, a lot of it is based on equipment and design of the equipment itself, um, as well as the content that we decide that we're going to perform. Um, and obviously, you know, personalities have a play in that as well in terms of um, of actually performing to a live audience. So, uh, yeah, there's always various factors that separate us and make us all very unique. What got you into doing a one-man band? Because it's, there's, you know, when I've seen all of you guys with the your different setups, it just seems like there's a, there's a lot of work and creativity and a lot of trial and error. And it, it, I, I've often looked at some of these setups and thought, God, there's got to be an easier way for them to make a living. But you clearly love what you do. So what drew you to it to venture out and, and try to design this thing? Drugs and alcohol. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, you're not. No, that's, there's, some, <laughs> there's an element of truth in there, Paul. I think so. <laughs> oh, that's the short answer. Uh, the long answer is... Um... I'm a very creative guy. My background's in visual art, and I've also got a background in sales. So, um, and uh, and music. So it was kind of a perfect storm of um, of creative talents and talents to mix together. Um, for instance, with my visual art background, I I, uh, I was a sculptor for many years, constructing large scale dinosaurs for museums and casting bronze. Hmm. So I I have a BFA in sculpture and that has served me well in regards to um, building my equipment and fabricating uh, the equipment as well as repairing it and that uh, and um, in comes the the sales aspect um, fresh out of high school I went to work for my art teacher's husband selling high-end hi-fi stereos so I got to learn the ins and outs of the of the sales trade as well as uh, repairing equipment and soldering and doing all that kind of thing. So that, that applied itself well to my show was, um, moving forward. Um, and last but not least, the musical aspect. So um, I've been able to uh, build it, play it and sell it, as I like to say. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a combination of those skills that make it successful. 
Well, I think it's a fantastic act. And, and the thing that's always drawn me to it when, uh, you know, having seen video, I'm not actually sure that we've ever crossed paths at a fair, but seeing video of it, seeing video of it, I love the fact that you basically took, uh, you know, a, a big sound system and you themed it, you know, you put, you put their, built the radio around it. And I think it just fits so well at fairs. What was it that made you think, you know, instead of, like I said, all three of you guys are different. You know, Eric Haynes tends to just wear his rig on his back and, and kind of stroll with it. You know, Mark Dobson's all about the quality of the sound reproduction and, and the, the tech and the gear with it. And then you have mm-hmm. built this character. What made you decide to cover up all your gear and, and theme it like that? Uh, well, that, um, that radio you speak of, uh, I call it the grand pod or, um, and it, it, it's a custom made, sound system um and it uh it was it was not inexpensive either to build that contraption i guess the difference between myself and mark dobson would be the fact that my equipment is contained and all housed in that sound system that looks like a an old cathedral style radio from the 1930s yeah um i i i believe in the quality of uh visuals in a show as well as the uh the quality of the of the show itself that's being delivered. So it, it was um, it was one thing that I guess to set me apart from everyone else, but it was also a a very unique and stylish way of uh, of housing all the components and all my audio equipment as well. It's definitely stylish. I dig it. Um, I, I think you should make keychains of it. I think you should make t-shirts of it. I think you should have all the merch just of that thing because I think it's cool as hell. The grand pod. The grand my grandfather's pod. iPod. That's why I call it the grandpod. It's my I refer to it as my grandfather's iPod. Oh wow. Yeah, but grandpod. I'm, I'm, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It took me a minute. I'm it's hey, I'm still I'm still got some quarantine fatigue going on here in New Mexico. So <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> it's a it's a little slow on that. So when you're when you're out there performing, what kind of songs are you singing? Who which are you singing anything original? Or are you doing you know, covers of famous artists. What what can people expect to hear from you? Oh, my uh, my songbooks kind of reflects, I would say, primarily classic rock and classic country material with um, uh, with some new material uh, put in there as well. I'm just started actually doing my original material. Uh, however, I've just found that over the years that. People are people come out to be entertained at a fair, and they want to hear material that they're that they're familiar with. Having said that, um, you know, as strange as as, uh, as life can dictate, I had a um, a song that I co-wrote, uh, recorded, and put out on an album this year by Alice Cooper of all people. So I'm probably going to I'm probably going to perform that song in my show, seeing that it's it's available through. Uh, a children's group called Splash and Boots actually is I co-wrote it with a friend of mine who performs with Splash and Boots. And uh, anyways, Alice recorded it. So I, I'm going to pull that one out this year. It's an original song, but it's also a uh, one that's recorded by someone very famous. So I'm very proud of that. Well, it'd be kind of cool when you're, you know, when you're setting it up, when you're out there at the fair and, and you mentioned Alice Cooper's name, people are going to be like, Oh, wow. Okay. And is you know it, is it, very Alice Cooper-esque or is it a different vibe? Is it something that no one would guess Alice Cooper wrote? Uh, no, it's very, um, we kind of geared it towards Alice's style or 
somewhat of a style. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of punchy in the throat, kind of metal rock. And yeah, it's a cool tune. It's called Heart Parade. You can find it on Spotify or other places. That's cool. Do you have, is there a crowd favorite that like, I know every, when I travel, there's certain jokes with Conjure Fortune Machine that work in one crowd sure. or not in another. So you got to change things up. But is there a song that you just consistently see that people want to hear it at no matter what fair you're at? Yeah, Wagon Wheels one. Um, and interestingly enough, I was performing Wagon Wheel far uh, long before uh, Darius Rocker recorded it, made it a huge hit. I was familiar with it when, um, of course, Old Crow Medicine Show, the the writers of the song had uh, done a recording of it. And that, and that has an interesting story in itself in that half of that song was written by Bob Dylan. Right. Now, here's, a, here's, a, here's an interesting story uh, regarding that song and performing at the South Carolina State Fair. I was there a few years back performing and um, I didn't think anything of it. But when I returned the next year, I had uh, one of the fair managers come up and tap me on the shoulder before my before my show, and uh, he said, uh, hey, Ben, well, remember you were performing here last year right by the rock? And I'm like, yeah, man, of course I do. He said, well, I was standing right here with Darius Rucker, and he was watching you perform that song, Wagon Wheel, and he said to me, he turned to me and he said, wow, this guy's killing the song. He said, man, I'm going to record this song. I went, you're kidding me. <laughs> he yeah, said, no, true story. Really? Yes, he did. Well, you take it for what it's worth man wow that's cool you know the one thing i've never figured out in that song and maybe i need to look a little deeper into the the rationale behind it is there's the line at the end where he says um he's going um he's headed west from the cumberland gap to johnson city tennessee except yeah. if you look at a map that's actually east I never under, do, I mean, do you know the rationale behind that? Or is it like, is it one of those roads that it's even, even though it's West, it's, it's, they call it eastbound. I don't know. I don't know. My, my geographics down in that, uh, that neck of the woods is somewhat limited. I have driven through the Cumberland gap and, and down that way a few times, but um, I've never dissected just, the song in such detail. I just, you know what? I don't know what made me do it, but there was one year I was probably driving across the country and I'm listening to the song and I'm singing to it. And I'm like, where is and I couldn't remember where the Cumberland Gap was and and I know it's all over there on that part of Tennessee but I was like so I look it up right. on a map and I'm like okay there's the I'm I'm, think, I'm thinking of the lyrics he's headed west from the Cumberland Gap to Johnson City Tennessee and I'm all west wait wait I'm like <laughs> that looks like east to me maybe there's some I need to I, I'm sure the Google will have the answer so after I'm done recording I'm gonna sure. look it up I'm I'm gonna finally get the answer to this um, there's got to be something to it. But it was always always fabulously interesting to me that I'm like, someone had some alcohol in their system when they wrote that song, I think. Yeah. Who knows? So listen, when you're out on the road, uh, how many shows do you typically do in a year? Well, actual shows themselves, if you were to add up, you know, the three to four shows per day that I perform, which is normally three anymore, but I have done four on occasion. Uh, it adds up to, you know, in between two and three hundred annually. Wow. Uh, however, last year, zero. <laughs> oh, come on. What happened last year? Why? What were you? Nobody <laughs> wanted to book you or what? <laughs> let's, let's talk about let's talk about that very god awful year for just a brief moment. Um, sure. I, I, 
you know, I recorded recently with Miranda, who's down there at the Elkhart County 4-H Fair, and we were talking about how stressful it's been for the kids. And she finally yelled at me. She was like, enough of this. I need more positive energy. So we've started curtailing just how much we're talking about COVID on the show, because frankly, it's all crap. Like nobody, nobody wants to really dwell on it. Uh, but I am curious when, when the wheels started to come off the bus and, and, and we went off course, you know, mid-March last year, what were you thinking as everything started to cancel? What was I thinking? Um, I don't, I, I'm of the mindset of, uh, just allowing things to unfold without making rash judgments or, um, offering too much of my of my own opinions on matters um, because they tend to change rapidly and beliefs I find are nothing more than, than um, something you really can't verify. So uh, having said that, I hunkered down and uh, started hiking and I started uh, playing all sorts of different instruments and learning different instruments and teaching myself different skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I made the best of that time where I tried to make the best of that time. And uh, yeah, no worries, man. I heard this wonderful story last week from a, a nursing friend of mine who's sort of one of the frontline workers. And she was uh, she was telling me she was giving this 80 something year old w- woman blood pressure, a, a, a blood f- pressure test. And uh, she uh, she mentioned to the woman, "Oh, wow, your 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 blood pressure is fantastic." And this elderly woman turned to her and said, "That's because I don't give a shit." And he, <laughs> she said they both laughed and laughed and laughed. And I thought that's good philosophy. <laughs> At least temporarily, you just got to kind of let it kind of brush off you and not take things so seriously. So, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a really rough year. Um, I, I think early on, most of us thought it was going to be over within a couple of months, and then it turned out it was going to keep going. And, you know, here we are one year into 15 days to flatten the curve. And um, it, seriously, you got to take your health. I, I do think there's a certain point where you just kind of have to laugh at the lunacy of everything that's happened in the last year. Oh, absurdity to... is a absurdity is a wonderful thing, and it's a part of life. And I think one, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's those are wise words to yeah. live by. And it's not, and and I mean that no disrespect to anyone who's who's been directly no. affected by COVID or lost anybody. Oh, not at all. But the uh, it, it is just absurd. <laughs> I mean, we've got governments down here in the states that are like, we're going to let everybody out of prison, but if you if you dare go to church, we're going to put you in jail. It's like what? None of this makes sense. You know, you get Fauci yeah. says, don't wear a mask. And he says, do wear a mask. And I'm just like, what is it? And things just change so fast. I, I just, I give up. I, you know, I'm just, I'm going to keep waking. I'll put my mask on. I'm going to use hand sanitizer. And then y'all just give me a call when this is all over. That's kind of where well, I'm at. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's been a fascinating, um, uh, to, to, to watch society and, um, and oh gosh, the pendulum tends to swing way too far to one side when things like this happen, and as well as common sense goes out the window. Big time. And 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 you feel somewhat powerless to really do or say anything about it. And um, and so uh, 
you know, what do you do? You just, you, you just take a backseat. That's what I find. Yes. Uh, that's kind of, you know, initially, of course, last year, I think a lot of it was, was at least here day in the United States was made much worse because it was an election year last year. So of course we had to politicize every, every damn thing and um, get people all hyped up and, and, and riled up over everything. And I, I spent a lot of time just sitting here going, I, I really just need to go to the grocery store and, and get my stuff and come home and, and everybody just leave me alone. And we don't, you know, we don't have news on in our house much. And that's, yeah. that's kind of a blessing. Cause I don't know that there's anything worth watching. It's just, yeah, isn't. no, yeah, no, pick, pick your battles. And I think you're, you know, you mentioned something earlier regarding, um, you know, putting positive vibes up there. And that's what I'm all about. I, you know, I yeah. want to just sort of keep putting out the love and keep putting out the positive energy. Yes. Yep. Hey, it's, one of my silver linings in all this, I finally started reading again. Um, I don't know if you can see, I've got all sorts of books on the shelf behind me. Finally, mm-hmm. I, I was prior to the pandemic. In fact, prior to November, I'm not even going to give March any credit part prior to November. I bet I'd read three books in 10 years. I just, right. my wife was the one that man, when Harry Potter came out, she could have half of that book read in like two hours. And there's like sure. 18 million page books. She just reads and reads and reads and reads. She is all about it. And she'd be like, you should read this. You should read this. You should read this. And I'm always going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll read it. (laughs) And then since November, I'm on like my ninth book since November. I am tearing through reading everything. um, And I'm finding she's going to, if Sarah hears this, I'm glad she's she's not home right now because if she heard this, she'd smack me upside my head. I'm finding that when I read in the evenings, I fall asleep much easier because instead of sitting there swiping on my phone right until like 11 p.m., by like sure. not nine or nine thirty, I'm into a book and I'll read two or three chapters of a book, you know, 40, 50 pages. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'm just tired. And I sleep so much better. Full disclosure. My wife has been telling me this for years. You should read before you fall to bed. So I give you credit, babe, but don't smack me. If you listen to this. Well, that's <laughs> good, you, man. Like, have you, what, what, so what have you been doing? I mean, you're, you're locked down up there in, uh, in Ontario. Um, yeah. You know, you've been, you said you were doing a little hike in uh, anything else you, you've been doing. Yeah. So I, I've been doing my fair share of reading as well. I've always been one to uh, have three or four books, books on my bedside. I really enjoy um, musical biographies. So I've been reading two, one on, on uh, Leonard Cohen and another one on a famous um, classical pianist up here. His name was Glenn Gould. He was very well known in the, in the classical community. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so th- this past year, I took it upon myself to hike the Bruce trail. And the Bruce trail is, uh, it's a 900 kilometer trail that starts up in the Niagara Falls area and, and uh, weaves its way through most of Ontario, right up to the uh, tip of what's called Tobermory in the Bruce Peninsula in Canada here. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to kind of, did you say did yeah. you say 900 kilometers yeah I haven't completed it yet I've been chipping away at it but I made okay. it a uh, a point to uh, I've got about a third of it checked off my list so far but it's one of those trails that you can kind of uh you know you jump in and you do a section and it, it's oh split up into God. about eight different sections so um that's insane i go hiking and i go i go with sarah i'll go like in the fall we would go on like a five mile hike up in the the mountains and the sandia mountains and and i'm good five miles like i'm good and you're talking about 900 kilometers yeah you canadians 
Well, we got we've got time and we've got space here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apparently, well, we all have some time. Yes. Well, and and we've had a lot of time. You know, I'm looking at the 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 room behind you. You got some toboggans in that corner. Is that yeah, is that a the toboggan most, and a sled and uh, is that the most Canadian thing ever to have a toboggan <laughs> in the corner of of your? Room? Oh, don't forget the bar over my other side of my shoulder here. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Canadian too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, you know, I think when you're born up th- this far north, you either, uh, you know, you, 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 as, a, as a child, you learn how to survive in the cold and you learn how to enjoy it and, and make the best of it. And uh, that's what I love about living this far north and being a Canadian is the fact that, uh, you know, we really do enjoy all four seasons and there's uh, activities that, um, uh, that one can enjoy in all of those seasons. So yeah. tobogganing is just one of them and skating and hockey and hiking. How much, how much snow you guys have on the ground up there right now? Oh, I would say there's about a foot. I'm kind of jealous, but I'm kind of not. I always, I always get to this point in the year where I'm like down in here in New Mexico, I'm like, I want one more good snowstorm. And of course a good snowstorm down here means like four inches of snow and it's gone by 1 PM. And, sure. I, and we got a little bit of it last week and I'm, it wasn't quite what I wanted, but now yeah. I'm all, okay, give me 75 degrees. I'm done. I want springtime. Was, was that part of that Texas low that kind of swung through there? Yeah, yeah that a little bit. Hit with? Yeah, yeah well. there was some, I guess the moisture came up off of Baja. And then as that cold front came down, it dumped a little bit. And it was weird because normally in Albuquerque, you get a storm that comes through and it hits and it's done. But it like right. it came in and it dropped. I think we had maybe an inch, and then it cleared up and it maybe for most of the morning. And then another storm, another little front came in, in the afternoon and dumped like another inch and a half or two inches. So I think right. it, it just didn't. It you know it being out here in the desert, it it gets once the sun's on it, man. That stuff goes real quick. Sure. And I was like, well, okay, it just it looks nice. And I I went outside with the dogs. Dogs are running. You know, of course, our boxer, our boxer out in the snow. He he is comes and he can't stand water. He's a boxer lab mix that that can't yeah. stand water. But he'll go play in the snow like there's no tomorrow. So I go out for like 20 minutes with him. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. And then I'm like, all right, I'm done. I I'm nice. ready to go to. I'm ready for some sunshine. I'd like to go scuba diving. I'm I'm done with the cold. Woo-hoo. When, so what point, like what point in the year do you guys usually start warming up? Like August or what? Well, depending on what part of Canada you're in. I used to live in the West in Alberta and, uh, you know, the weather could change 20, 30 degrees in five minutes when a Chinook blew in over the mountains. So uh, you could be, you could be minus 15 degrees Celsius and be plus 15 degrees Celsius in a matter of uh, half an hour. That's was amazing. Wild. However, um, you know, where I live, it's a little bit more, uh, less radical in terms of, of uh, temperature shifts. Yeah. But, you know, usually, usually April, May, things start to warm up and you start seeing the buds in the trees and the flowers popping out. And Right. So it's very the, similar. What's Sorry, the status? What I was going to ask you, what's the status of that lockdown up there? As we kind of get into spring, if you've got fairs down here, are you going to be able to get to them? If you, you know, can you cross the border? Well, these are still unknowns. Um, everything's still kind of in a holding pattern. I'm sure you probably feel that. And most entertainers and people in the fair industry are uh, 
probably feeling a sense of that right now. And that is, you know, being in, in a holding pattern with, uh, with many more questions than there are answers. And at this point, that's kind of where I'm sitting and operating from is uh, I really don't know. And it's a kind of a wait and see. Uh, I'm preparing and getting all my ducks in a row as if things were going to go ahead as normal. However, um, as far as Canada goes, the borders are still closed to non-essential travel. Uh, anyone flying back in or traveling back into the country, uh, you have to quarantine in a, um, in a government designated hotel for three days prior to returning to your own home for 14 days. Uh, so, and depending on where you are in the country, very much like the U.S., you know, we have um, provinces up here as opposed to states and there's a certain amount of um, uh a certain amount of power that goes to the provinces to dictate and determine exactly uh, how far uh, they want to push lockdown measures. And it also depends, depending on where you are in the country, of how bad the numbers are. So right now it's, it's kind of a mixed bag right across the country. Yeah, we're getting the same thing down here in New Mexico where, you know, back in December, maybe it was mid-November, our governor gave us this very um, kind of convoluted county by county, red, yellow, green gating criteria. And in order to get schools open, you had to be, you know, green for so many weeks or, or you could also have a spread rate that looked at a certain number. Sure. And it just was, it's all over the place. And then of course um, we get a new president inaugurated down here and she is the same party he is. And all of a sudden we're getting ready to start opening. And she's like, Oh, schools can open. And, and now she's added this new turquoise color. If you're turquoise for two weeks, then you can do this. And we're sitting here going, wait, what happened to red? Yellow? Now it's turquoise. I, you turquoise. Know, I, how new Mexican, how very new Mexican <laughs> you got, the, you got toboggans that are Canadian. And you know, that's literally, she, she's doing all New Mexico colors, you know, red, yellow, and, and green. And now tur turquoise, <laughs> I, I, I have to think is, you know, even though I've got my political differences with the governor, when it comes to the health and safety of the state, and I think a lot of people in the, in the country are, are missing this. I can't go to the place where she's doing anything but her best to try to mitigate this and, and save lives in New Mexico. I know some people think, Oh, well, she's a Democrat. She feels this way. And you know, there's Democrats that are like, Oh, the Republicans in, in, you know, I know Florida, they're just going to get grandma and grandpa killed and everybody's at each other's throats. And I'm like, you know, maybe we just need to check ourselves and, and hope that these people are actually making decisions with the best interests of their, their people in mind. I would hope so. However, as I mentioned earlier, you know, common sense, um, uh, and that pendulum swinging too far, either right or to the left, and it shouldn't be a political issue. It is a health issue. And, yep. and I, um, you know, and, uh, I'm not too fond of the word unprecedented. It has been precedented in the past. We can just look back to the Spanish flu. I mean, I don't need to reiterate sort of the numbers from that pandemic. Um, however, uh, you know, having said all of that, um, right after this interview, I'm heading out to celebrate a, uh, a very dear friend's birthday at a pub of all places. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've actually booked a table for an hour and 45 minutes and then we get the heave ho and kicked out we're all, you're only allowed 10 people per restaurant or pub where i am at the moment okay. that's barely enough for anyone even to keep the lights on i would think um 
I and doubt it's my even heart that. Was right. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's that's my first outing and the first time stepping foot into an establishment in quite some time, months. Yeah, yeah we've been able to do it, but you know, we go to the grocery store. The gyms have been open, um, but you have to wear a mask. And I got to tell you what. Uh, I know they say, oh, no, you can breathe just fine through a mask. And if you're just walking, yeah, but try huffing it, huffing it on a treadmill. And, and literally, as I breathe, like the mask sucks in and blocks my nose. And I'm like, I'm going to pass out on this damn treadmill. I'll be I'll be really happy the day when all of that ends. Um, you know, it's, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think we're probably going to be masked until at least this time next year. Maybe I'm being pessimistic. Who knows? No, I think so. And, I, and you're still going to see masks, I think, from here on out with um, uh, people that are um, wallowing in the fear of it all. And, um, and, and some for good reason, others from overreaction. And who am I to say, you know, those are just my opinions. But um, uh, I think masks are here to stay for some because there's a paranoia that I think that is set in now regarding germophobia and uh that's not going away anytime soon yeah it's been it's almost uh the psychological damage i think is going to be a lot more long lasting i think we'll be to the point where the government says you know and health officials say hey look we've got we've got i don't know whether it's herd immunity or enough people vaccinated or the or the case counts have dropped down so low that you know it's in it's indistinguishable from the flu or strep throat or any other cold or something and Mm-hmm. everything's open. You can go back to normal. Let's get the economy open. We're good to go. I, I think the psych damage is going to be far longer lasting than that where people and, and I'm talking to fair managers that are like, you know, it could be a long time before they recover their full attendance, just because there will be a segment of our population of our fair goers that are still a little wigged out and decide even once the, everybody says, come on in, the water's fine. They're going to be like, yeah, maybe I'll wait another year. Yeah, I think everyone's experience is uh, certainly different. You know, uh, you probably heard the reference, oh, we're all in the same boat together. Um, I've, uh, I tend to disagree and I subscribe to the idea of we're all in the same storm together. Everyone yep. is, Thank you. is having a different, everyone is having a different experience and, and everyone is, um, uh, you know, I have to count my blessings and be incredibly grateful for uh, for what I have in my life and the fact that the government has been very generous to uh businesses like my own and, and um, gig performers um, we've been looked after uh, rather generously, I would think compared to uh, some places in the world. So um, I'm, I'm quite grateful for that. However, I'm also very empathetic and, um, and very much aware that there's a lot of people that are, that are falling through the cracks and to your point of uh, uh, mental health, that is, I think, the greatest concern, I think, moving forward for, for everyone. Yeah, it is. And, and you made a great point. You're the first person to say, frame it like that on the show. Um, my wife and I have been framing it, you know, the same storm, but not the same boat. We, she saw something yeah. come across Facebook, I don't know, God, back in July, maybe, because, you know, being an a assistant principal at an elementary school, that's what, um, you know, that when they would have a Zoom conference or whatever with their, their administrators in the district, somebody always said, you know, listen, we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. And then, and Sarah always was like, we're not though, because everybody's no. in a different position. Some people are so financially well off that this is, yeah, 
this is not a big deal. They're not risking their mortgage no. or their business or their livelihood, you know. And and then somewhere sometime in there over the summer, she saw a thing come across Facebook that explained that we're all in the same storm, but we're all in very different boats. With the point being, you know, if you're a battleship, you're a little bit more weather tested than a dinghy or an efficient boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a good metaphor. And uh, there are a lot of people that have not really been affected that much uh, that have kept their jobs and that are working from home and, um, and, and good on them. That's a, it's, it, it's a envious place to be. Yeah. Um, however, there are some people that will probably never go back to work, not at least in the field that they've been, um, they've yeah. been let go of. So, so yeah, interesting times for sure. It is. And you know what? I think we also need to have perspective. Um, I hear so many people say things across Twitter or Facebook, or I just don't know if things are ever going to be normal again. And I'm like, let me just explain this. This is where I come from on this. The greatest predictor of human behavior is past human behavior. And if you look all throughout history, we had a normal in 1918 that changed. And then somewhere mm -hmm. around 22 or 23, somewhere in there, a new normal started that became the roaring sure. 20s. We dealt with it in World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, um, you know, the Cold War, all of these things, the financial crisis, 9-11. We are human beings are resilient. Not only are we going to go back to being together in large groups and having fun and having an economy and growing, uh, growing businesses. I think we see a new dawning of success for people where businesses are just exploding. I think our, our events, especially our fairs. Um, maybe not in the next 24 to 36 months, but I'm guessing by, you know, by 24 for sure, I think people are going to be overwhelmed to go because they just want to get back to being together, being social creatures, going to a concert, going to a movie theater. Uh, I think we're going to see really good times. We've just got to get through like the next 18 months. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, socially, you know, we're, we're genetic, genetically designed to, basically be living in packs and be living in um, uh, amongst each other and anyone that was ostracized from the cave or the tribe back in the day usually perished because they didn't have that uh, uh, that tribe around them to help them survive and and we're certainly a lot of us are lacking that and missing that more than anything that yeah. connection well and it's not I think I think there's a lot of different things we're missing. We're missing the, the, the physical social connection. You know, I never realized there's something to be said of just going to the shopping mall or going to a movie, even if you're by yourself, but you're in a group, you're together, you're in a crowd of people. Sure. Um, and, but I think we've, we have lost our ability for, like you talk about with common sense, we've lost reason. We've lost patience. We're losing empathy. Um, the mm -hmm. election in the United States here did not help anything. That was an mm -hmm. awful experience for all of us to have to go through. Um, the cancel culture um, is just so broken and, and we're just all about hurting people. Oh, you said something I didn't like, but you said it 25 years ago. Well, I'm still going to destroy you. That is just not helpful. You know, I think we need to be more forgiving and more empathetic people and more patient people. Um, I, I, I hope through all of this that, more people learn that well this is a it's a universe where the law of impermanence sort of um <laughs> it's all pervasive and change will come and change always does come and uh I, i'm not quite sure what 
normal is. I've never really lived a normal life, so I'm not sure really what that is from an entertainer's perspective and the and the type of of uh, life that we lead. It certainly isn't normal compared to most. So, yeah. um, and I've reinvented myself a number of times over the years. You know, whether that be an artist, a salesman, a chef, a cafe owner, um, you know, a musician. I've done so many things um, that normal is normal is change to me. Yeah. And normal is about changing and it's about redefining not only oneself, but redefining the world around you to make it a better place. And perhaps that's kind of what the trajectory that we're on is after all is said and done, I'd like to think, and I have faith that uh, the world will come out a much better place. It will. It's going to take a little bit of time and um, sure. we'll get there. Uh, if you know, and I just say to folks that, that want to continue wearing masks, keep wearing a mask. If you want to come out to the fair and you come press the button on conjure machine and you need to have a mask on by all means, do whatever you got to do to be safe. At the end of the day, though, despite how divided, at least we are down in the United States, you know, I read some news out of Canada and I know there's, um, you know, there seems to be kind of a a growing pushback against some of Trudeau's policies, but that's going to always be, whether it's Trudeau or somebody else, there's always going to be somebody, some group pushing back. Um, When it comes to, and I think you're probably the same way, when you perform, you're not asking what party somebody's associated with. I don't care when you come up to Conjure Machine, whether you are a uh, a diehard, you know, Rush Limbaugh Republican, or whether you're a diehard, you know, uh, AOC left-wing person, I want you to press the button. I want to make you laugh and I want to give you a memory. That's what my goal is at every fair I go to. Yeah, uh, I, I concur. And I, if I may, I, I think a, a mistake that many people, if not all people make is, is to identify themselves as being a political party. And what I mean by that is people's identity get wrapped up in politics and a political party where I believe that we're, we are so much more than that if you look a little deeper inside yourself. Yep. And to, um, yeah, to base your identity on a political party, uh, you, it's just, it, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Other than, other than don't. (laughs) There's so much more. (laughs) There's just such a, you know, I, I still firmly believe that the majority of people, at least in the United States, probably 85 or 90% of Americans lie somewhere towards the middle of the political spectrum. You know, if you're someone like me, depending on the subject, you might think I'm a super right-wing conservative. You might think I'm a super left-wing liberal. It just depends on the subject. I just don't think that I, I think the media allows the noise to come through from the people on the extremes that whip us into a frenzy and, and we allow it. You know, that's that's our responsibility for me personally. You know, I'm like, turn the TV off. I don't want to hear any more of the sound bites because I know that sound bite, sound bite doesn't tell the whole story. Um, you know, that I just um, I just was dealing with uh, uh, in between recordings here. I was on Facebook and I was uh, I was dealing with an email and a thing came across that said Joe Biden said the n-word in his speech and the and Twitter is ex- like literally right now as we're recording they are just exploding over it <laughs> and I'm like 
Now, there's no way. Like, I know Joe Biden is gaff prone, but there is just no way. So I go and I find the clip and I listen to it. And I'm like, even as someone that did not vote for the man who does not necessarily like the man's politics, I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that he said the N-word. At no point did he say the N-word. He, he said, and eager, but because he kind of mumble mouth Joe'd it, it came out sounding like the N-word. And so everybody's like, he just dropped the N-word and nobody cares and blah, blah. And I'm like, just stop, stop. Yeah. What? That's not, that's nothing. That's not what it was. Quit Your bullshit. blood pressure is going up. You remember what I said about blood pressure? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And people get all, get all hyped over it. And I'm like, I got an idea. Go listen to the video, go to the source instead of just taking the headline or just taking the tweet and figure out what's going on and think first. So that's part of the reason I just try as little as possible to have news on. Like when, when that stuff comes across my Facebook, even for my friends that are, are Republicans, I'll mute it. I'm like, I just, no, I want to, I want to see information on fairs. I want to, I want to see a picture of Bandaloni finally performing again. I want to see folks down at the, you know, the RV super show in Florida, you know, like Oscar, the robot entertaining because as Florida has gotten open, that's what I want to see. I don't, I'm just sick of politics. I'm so done with it. I want to see more images from the, from perseverance and Mars. Yes. Yes. That's cool. I like some of the memes that are coming out of that. Um, you know, I don't know if you ever play that game among us. My son got me stuck in this. It's like this little kind of murder mystery game where you can play with 10 other players. And right. there's, there's one of, they took one of the, um, the little characters and they made them black and white and or grayscale. And they put them in the background and they're like, Oh look, first pictures. And here's this little alien dude from Mars. It's uh, and yeah. Let me guess. There must be a, a, there must be a meme of Bernie Sanders on mars if oh there has to be if it yes in fact i think it probably did come across my twitter at some point i mean if if there's not then the meme world has failed Uh, miserably miserably because bernie's (laughs) sitting there with his gloves man did he just look have the sourpuss look on his face or what and i'm like i don't know i might feel the same way i mean it's cold it's a pandemic i'm like do you really want to be out there yeah it's an inauguration but who cares like let's go home nice mittens Nice mittens, dude. The mittens rocked. Bernie's mittens were all of that. Mm-hmm. Oh man, listen, we're uh, we're getting towards being out of time. Um, I really appreciate you being on the show. It's been nice visiting with you. I don't, we don't usually connect it at at fairs out there on the circuit. Which fairs are you normally doing? Because I don't think I don't believe we've ever worked at a, at a, a similar fair. Um, the ones that I've, I well. Are you doing a lot of like Midwest, a lot of like Ohio, that kind of area? Or I've done the Ohio State Fair, uh, New York State Fair, on numerous occasions, the Iowa State Fair, uh, uh, Ozark Empire Fair, Kansas State Fair, yes. North Carolina State Fair, South Carolina State Fair. So you're a lot I've of Midwest. been to San Diego a bunch of times. Yeah, so you're Midwest and East Coast mostly. I I do a lot of um, I, I do a handful of Florida. And then some Texas and California and Arizona. So, but hopefully, yeah, we'll the, at some the, point. the Eastern South. Well, you know, I had a hard time getting, getting past Georgia to get down into the Florida area. Why do you uh, think you're struggling Texas. getting into Florida there, Bandaloni? What's that? Why do you, I was going to say, why do you think you're uh, struggling to get down into Florida there, Paul? I don't know. Does there, everyone go down there for 50 bucks and a hot dog? Or I don't know, man. Or is there, I or really is, is, there a, is there a very, um, is there a very adequate competitor down there 
it's based oh, out of Florida. Oh, I see what you're. I see what you're alluding to. Yes. Oh, you know Mark you know Dobson what? has Mark Dobson has the Florida market on lockdown when it comes to one man bands. Well, that may very well be the case, but you know what? I, I, I honestly, I can honestly say I don't lose sleep over anything of that nature. I don't yep. consider it. I'm grateful for what I what I do get. And to be honest with you, I work so hard and so long and I'm on the road for so many months in the summertime, you know, it's approximately four or five months solid for me where I don't even get to see my own bed. So yeah. after that period of time on the road, I'm quite, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm okay with just sort of hanging up the guitar for, for a few months and laying low and, yeah. uh, and enjoying routine and, and my family and my friends back home here. So well, so I've, always, I've always observed with entertainers, and this is this is all of us, at least at some point. I don't so much care about it anymore the more I mature and the longer I'm in the industry, but we all go for the same fares. We all want sure. like the same like 50 fares. We all try to get those. And I'm like, there's like a thousand fares across the country. If everybody's sure. competing for, you know, the Oklahoma State Fair, why don't you go to the county fair that's, you know, might be 500 miles closer to you and might pay just as well, or might route you with a couple other small County fairs that nobody's ever heard of, but you right. have a great run and, and you make some great relationships with great fairs and, and people at, in different places. Why has everybody got to go for the same fair? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I have my, I have a good balance of large fairs and smaller uh, County fairs up in, up in these parts. Um, I, and, and uh, I have to be honest with you, some of the smaller fairs I enjoy more than the bigger ones there. So, uh, you know, it's all about balance. Yes. Balance is a good thing. And with that, yeah. we're going to wrap this up. Before we go, everybody right, who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you six sure. quick questions, and then you give me your best answer for each. You ready? Yeah, man. Favorite fair food? Ah, the healthiest. You like healthy fair food? Well, well, if if I can find is, it, is there such a thing? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, I, gee, but when you said that, the first thing that came to mind is this wonderful falafel burger down in the San Diego County Fair uh, by Roxy's is the is the name of the vendor, and I would get that with a uh, with a side salad. That was one of my favorites. Now, having said that, that may sound kind of boring, but if you're spending five months on the fair circuit, man, oh, no. fair food is the last thing that you want to be stuffing in your pie hole. I <laughs> tell you what, I didn't go. I, I went to one fair last year and I can tell you, while I didn't catch COVID-19, I did gain the COVID-19 because the stress eating was a little rough throughout the year. Yeah. <laughs> we're down to, we're, we've knocked it down to the COVID-14 now, but you're right. You can't be eating the fair food all the time. So we will take the, uh, we'll take that, the falafel and the, uh, the salad as an acceptable answer. Next question. <laughs> Who was your first celebrity crush? My first celebrity crush. Well, I, you know what? As soon as you said that, a, a poster of Farrah Fawcett sort of you're just like kind the, of swung into like my the mind there from like my the, youth. You're like the fifth person on the show that's that has had the poster. And <laughs> let me awesome. guess, the same age as me probably too. <laughs> there, there, there might be, I can neither confirm nor deny, but there might be some similarities right. in, the, uh, in the age bracket. Uh, sure. You can have a guest role on any television show, past or present. What show would you want to be a guest on? A guest on any show. 
Well, what you know what it used to be Letterman. I used to envision myself being a uh, uh, being a one man band on Letterman out on the street and and doing a mock firing of Paul Schaefer and the band because of CBS cutbacks. That's so funny. If if we can go back in time, I would I would have been on the on the Letterman show. What's the best concert you've ever attended? Oh gosh, I've been to numerous concerts. However, um, I would probably say my first one as a 13 year old boy, and that would have been the Kiss concert. And it was during the uh, the Destroyer tour, and it was a killer show. And um, and an up and coming band were the opening act, and they were called Cheap Trick. <laughs> wow, you so that was just, pretty fantastic. You just dated yourself. Now the Farrah Fawcett right. thing makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so listen, when you're playing. How many instruments do you play at once? Well, if you take into consideration, I'm using some effects and I'm using a, a vocal harmonizer, which allows me to uh, mimic three or four different voices at a time. I can do, you know, 10 to 12 things at once. Impressive. And I have some real, I, I have some real trick instruments too. Like I have a very um, highly customized guitar, which allows me to play bass guitar and rhythm guitar at the same time. And, open tunings and I can play a sitar with it, or it can sound like a banjo or a mandolin. And it's, it's got lots of tricks. There's lots of tricks that we learn up our sleeves as one man bands to sound more and more like a band all the time. That's very impressive. And last question, you get the opportunity to sing a duet with anyone. Who would you want to sing with? Oh, does it have to be, it can be male or female? Any, anyone. Oh, I'd like to rock out with Neil Young. That'd be cool. And sing a duet with Neil Young. I don't know what that would be. Maybe rocking in the free world. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. <laughs> Paul David, a.k.a. Bandaloni. If folks want to get in touch with you and contact you, how can they do that? Oh, hey, thanks for asking. Well, there's always my uh, uh, my steadfast website at bandaloni.com. There's also Facebook, if you Facebook Bandaloni. Um, I'm not much of an Instagram guy, but uh, go check out my Facebook website. You can contact me through that. That would be awesome. Just say hi. Just say hi. The man's a super nice guy, super talented guy. Paul David, a.k.a. Bandaloni. I wish you all the best in 2021. I hope you get Thanks, some man. fairs going. I hope your the border opens so we can get you down here. I know everybody down here at the fairs, they love you. Uh, we wish you all the best. Thanks for coming on the show. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.